You're listening to Testimonies of Truth, and on this episode, we're joined with Nick Matthews, who is a British Christian missionary in Australia, um, to talk about his book, The Nine Veils, uh, The Reputation of God and Our Struggle for Identity. Um, And we'll also talk about how this connects uh, with his own journeys as a Christian and um, the journey he's been on. Um, So, Nick, welcome to the show. I guess just to start with... Uh, can you share with us uh, where the idea for the Nine Veils, um, the reputation of God and our struggle for identity all started? And what, I guess, are some of the main ideas that, that uh, come up in the book? Well, look, I'd love to share that. You know, um, it's actually I have to go back a couple of years. Um, I was leading a team, um, a discipleship team out to Fiji. Um, and we were involved in this youth camp. It was um, at the Coral Coast uh, Christian Center. And we were in worship. The worship was, was amazing. Um, the Spirit of God was there. And I just felt God speak to me. And it wasn't audible. I rarely hear God's audible voice. But it's more you have this sense of adventure. Or you have this sense of um, God is placing a, something, a desire on your heart. Mm. And I felt him say, write a book about my reputation. I'm a God who loves, and I'm not a God of war. And it was as simple as that, but also, um, I guess, as dynamic as that as well. It's, you know, God doesn't need to defend his reputation in the slightest. We can have, a, we can have the wrong opinion of God. Uh, we, can, we can consider God as somebody who, who is not. And that opinion of God can actually impact our own personal identity. So, mm. That's the uh, genesis of the book and the title. Um, It was on a very hot day, humid day, in a beautiful location in Fiji. And that was about three, four years ago. Beautiful. Um, So can you tell us a bit about what's the the process or the journey been like for you, um, I guess, from that point to where you are now? Mm. Um, In putting together this book, can you talk a little bit about the the process and, and, and the journey? Sure. Well, that's the... Having that initial concept was perhaps the easiest part of it. You you get this excitement and you just want to find a pen and start writing notes. And, you know, we got home from Fiji and um, I set time aside to really just catch my thoughts on paper to uh, consolidate my notes. I do take a lot of notes, um, both paper and electronic, and just bringing all of that together. Um, and then just, you know, you, you're working on the structure, but... You know, once um, once you had the basic structure down, that's when the realization of how hard it is to actually get published mm. set in. You, you have this sense, you have an excitement. Um, this is a great adventure. God's called you. Um, 
you're working in partnership and you, you, you kind of have this sense that everything's just going to fall into place. Um, and then when I had the book at a place where this was a really good edit, we'd, we'd done um, a few drafts, we had um, some really good editing and it was in a place where it's probably 80, 85% complete. And then you think, well, the next step is to find a publisher. Mm. And then you do like everybody, you go, you start with Google, you speak to friends, um, realize that none of your friends have any connections. You go to Google, you find that most publishers um, won't accept new manuscripts from Mm. unknown authors. Um, And then uh, as things worked out, it was a friend of a friend who uh, put me in touch with a publishing house and we worked on a sort of, they, you call it like a self, um, self-published self or this was actually a co-published where you invest a little bit of money, they do the artwork, they do um, getting it to actual uh, paper copy. Now that was um, an interesting experience. It, 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 a lot of it relied on, on myself having a platform to sell the book. Um, I met with a book marketeer asking for, you know, it's just some advice, some input. And they said, look, if you're not, if you don't have a platform, it really is hard to get into the into the whole market with books of anything to do with theology or mm. anything to do with Christianity. The book market is dominated by maybe eight or nine names, and they're names that would be very familiar with. Mm. Um, and they capture about 80% wow. of, of the market. Mm. So as a new author, she was saying, you have to have a platform. Mm. And I was going, but I don't have a platform. I have a vision, I have a calling, I'm working hard on this, Mm. but I just don't have the platform. And the the word came back with, well, that would be really hard as a new author to to actually break into the market without without that platform. Um, On a side note, she was saying with anything to do with Christian theology, people like to know who you are. Um, they like to know what church background you're from. Mm. Um, they feel safe with authors that they're mm. familiar with, and rarely do they uh, take a chance on on a new author. And mm. you know, so the the, the sales um, were coming in through the dozens, not through the the thousands. And you know, I, I again googled what's the average um, number of sales for for books, and you know, it was a low 250. I thought, wow, that's that's actually quite small. Mm. Um, you know, you have this sense of you know thousands. Yeah. <laughs> it's this great adventure, and um, I remember it was it was December just gone. We were back home in the UK, and I was just um, lying in bed and saying, God, you know, does you, you called this? You called me to do this. Does that calling really depend on my ability to have a platform? Where's this sense of we're in this together. Um, you know, I, I can be quite honest with, with God. I think he's fine with my honest questions. And mm. I was saying, I just really want to put it. It was coming to the end of the year, start of the new year. I just want to put it aside. Say I got it out of my system. I ticked it off the um, bucket list. Mm. And just um, just move on. New year, um, you know, new adventure, really. And I felt God say, when you get back to Melbourne, write to 10 other publishers um, in the last week of January. It was, it was very specific. Right. And I thought, well, I, I can do that. Um, you know, it's, I, I've done all of the work, just uh, connecting or contacting 10 publishers. 
should be quite easy. Um, I, we got back to Melbourne, um, again went to Google, um, looked for publishers, and again found out that most publishers, again, don't accept any new work, mm. new material from um, from new new authors or mm. um, manuscripts that um, they haven't published in from authors they haven't published in the past. And I was there, and you know, you, you found one publisher who could only a- accept. Um, new manuscript submissions between 10 o'clock and midday on the first Monday of the month. And you're thinking, I don't even know what time zone you're in. Are, are you in America, Europe, here in Australia, New Zealand? And I was, um, you know, I just had again this sense of, God, don't build me up to let me fall again. I'm, I'm really pushing here. Um, none of this is, I don't seek glory in, the, in, mm. in it's just not my personality to yeah. go looking for sure. any sort of recognition of glory or glory but yeah. I had such a sense that God was in this mm. I wanted it to work because it, I felt that it was was a calling mm. and um, you know during this time I again I said God is it is it really this hard is it really does it really come down to my my own ability my own skills talents networks and I, I felt again God say no worries I, I've got this do you know I'm actually the greatest published author in the world <laughs> <laughs> obviously um, referring to the Bible there um, and I, I again just had a great sense that God was in this mm. um, so over the space of a week I connected with 10 publishing houses um, one publishing house the, uh, Aaron Sims who, who runs his publishing house he wrote to me the next day and he said, I, I received your manuscript last night. I had no um, real intention to read it straight away, but I opened it and I just felt um, as though I wanted to keep reading. And within 24 hours, he'd emailed with um, a contract. Wow. Um, so we we published the book, uh, The Nine Veils, The Reputation of God and Our Struggle for Identity. Beautiful, yeah. Um, it went live a few weeks ago, mm. uh, beginning of September. And... Um, this is where we're at at the moment. Mm. So I guess for you, it's been very much, uh, in a sense, kind of like the the persistent widow um, that you've persevered to get this book published uh, besides the the challenge and the difficulty of actually getting to that point. There's there's definitely an amount of persistence in there. And a lot of your faith is how you travel through that persistence. Do you you give up? Do you... um, you know, do you keep pushing? Um, it's sometimes hard to, you know, keep that sense of excitement when you're checking your email five times an hour, you know, week after week after week, just waiting for that email to drop through and give you an update on how things are going. So there definitely was a sense of pushing through, um, pushing through in prayer, mm. pushing through with whatever connections that you have. You know, the the, the call of God is... An amazing thing. Yet when we're called, we're we're kind of working through that in sort of kind of like an, a broken environment. We you know with Adam and Eve, one of the first things God said was, "You know, giving birth will be hard, and breaking the ground to plant seed will be hard." Mm-hmm. This is a consequence of the decisions you've made, and yeah. you know, birthing a vision, birthing a book is hard. And uh, there, there has been pain. There's been times of lying in bed at night, just thinking, "God, where, where is this going?" Um, breaking the soil, and, and you could say breaking the soil was connecting with people in the industry was was hard. 
Um, so it has been hard, yet at the same time, I've already seen how God has come through mm. time after time drawing this, just um, that sense from providing the uh, connection with this publishing house in America through to when you just by yourself in your own thoughts, having that peace of God that you're doing the right thing, he's in this, mm. and we're, we're moving ahead. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, what's, uh, what's some of the feedback been from people so far after releasing um, the book? Well, the feedback, I've had, um, there's been about 30 uh, people that have written reviews for that, um, both from academic as well as just, just friends. Um, I have uh, one person in Tasmania, he's um, possibly in his 70s, and he wrote to me and he said, I've just finished the book and I'm going to start it again. I've, I've learned so much. Another reader in the UK said, I can see myself on every page of this book. Wow. Um, another friend uh, in the USA wrote to me who'd, who'd read the book, and they said, I'm, I'm reading, but it's going to take me a long time because I'm just stopping on every page and mm. just, just processing what, what's in there, and it's really making me reflect mm. on my own life. So... The the feedback I've had has been really good and really positive. Mm. Um, and what's um for you? What's the most rewarding part been? I guess uh, through the process of writing the book, and now that it's been uh, published, what's the most rewarding thing for you? Like I think, well, you know, I'm sat here, um, I have a copy of the book in my hand, and I think just being able to touch it and feel it, and you actually have something physically physical that you can hold again just like i mentioned with the reviews just uh, you know another review um somebody who was just going through a terrible situation and they they started reading the book and how they said that really drew them back to god or mm. to restore that relationship with god and yeah, that's great they'd mentioned you know they'd gotten hold of a new bible and they'd started to read the bible so mm. even though the uptake today has been um well it's growing um it has touched it has touched lives and it's touched my life as well you can't be changed mm. uh, you cannot not be changed going through this kind of process yeah what's um what would be i guess one of the main uh, things that you'd like people to take away from this book or how would you like them to be impacted and encouraged through through reading it sure you yeah, know that's um, a really good question you know the the basis or the premise of the book is how our own personal identities are kind of interwoven with our opinion of God. Mm. So that's where the the reputation of God comes into into the title. Right. You know, God gives us identity. Identity is passed from father to son, father to to daughter. We have that in the natural from our and natural parents, but also from a spiritual sense, our identity is pastors from God. If we don't have a true sense of who God is, I think I think we struggle mm. with our, our identity. There's um, the book really looks at what are called nine spiritual veils, mm -hmm. and and these veils I've really put down to doubt-based veils. Sometimes we we doubt God, or we doubt that God can meet our particular situation. Um, we, we hear other people's testimonies, we read things in the Bible, but we doubt that for some reason that love of God can really reach 
our particular um, our particular lives. Yep. Sometimes we can even have a fear-based veil. We have a sense of God, but we have an um, opinion of God through a veil of fear. We read some of the stories in the Old Testament. Uh, we see God as an angry God. Uh, we see God as um, being the you know some of the stories in the Old Testament it can almost put God in the place where he's starting wars or he's advocating for wars mm. um, whenever there's a natural disaster you know people will say well is that a is that a act of God mm. or a will of God so when you when you have that sense of uncertainty maybe God's punishing me if God would punish you and he's the one that we're to receive that fullness of identity and fullness of love. If we have a sense that God is a punisher, then that is going to impact our own, our lives. Mm. Um, you know, God is a describer of pain and not so much a prescriber of pain. There's a lot of things we read of in the Bible where it's, it's very descriptive of pain. It's mm. very descriptive of of nations, of, of battles. Uh, we look at the a conquest of Jericho, Joshua. And if we have a sense that God is getting any sense of joy out of seeing people's lives come to ruin, mm. we we don't have we don't have a true opinion or understanding of God. Then sure. on the other side is, you know, we can have consider, you know, we're entitlement based. Mm. Um, it's all about our happiness. It's all about what we can get out of that relationship. Um, so we feel very entitled from God who who in that sense should really be the one to not always provide for us, always um, give us a sense of happiness. You know, God is all about happiness. Heaven is going to be a joyous, happy place. Mm. But again, once we live in a broken world, a broken society, it, it's not always going to be a happy life. We can have that joy but there's going to be situations where um, they're just not happy situations. There's a lot of uh, tragedies happening in this earth today. We read about the uh, tsunami and earthquake yesterday in Indonesia. Um, hundreds of people killed. That doesn't bring joy mm. to God. That doesn't bring happiness mm. to God. That actually breaks God's heart. And when we can meet God as a God who actually has, has a father's heart, has a broken heart mm. who weeps with our tears and 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 gets us gets us in our full condition mm. um yeah just our, our our opinion and our understanding of god just just gets strengthened yeah. through that so that synopsis really is if we have the wrong view of god we will struggle with our personal identity so I guess for you, the uh, the hope and the goal of this book would be to, I guess, encourage and help people to have that healthy and um, truthful perspective about who God is mm. and about God's nature. What, what would that look like, I guess, for someone to, to have an honest and truthful um, perspective of, of who God is? What, um, what difference would that make? No, I think a lot of people today really suffer with um, a lack of, of confidence, mm. self-belief. I think we look for fullness of identity in a lot of areas. Mm. Um, we, you know, be that the number of likes we get on social media, the number of places that we're invited to, 
I think as as a society, we do have a real challenge with 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 belief in 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 ourselves and belief in all that God has for us. We can very easily self doubt, mm. and self doubt can can jeopardize our our purpose mm. in life. You can be given the most amazing gift and the gift is free and then we can self-doubt and say well actually is that for me or am I even worthy to to receive this or you know you must have the wrong person maybe that's somebody for somebody else who's more worthy so if you have fullness of identity that counteracts this self-doubt that we can have and you know I'm speaking from experience here sure, yeah. Um, yeah. now I have a level of confidence that that is, that is great but I also have doubt were there some of these doubts about you that you had about yourself and how did God I guess show you or reveal things to you that instilled a stronger identity in yourself look I think for me you know growing up um, I probably wasn't the most confident kid I wasn't the best at sports um, you know I was probably an average kid at school so the, the, there's been a journey of really growing in that in that confidence myself where I am at the moment with the with the book is a lot of those challenges I, I have overcome in writing the book it, it's allowed me to reflect back on some of the you know challenges that I I did have with mm. with um, not my my full value my full worth and the book is a maybe if you want to put the end result of of right. that journey mm. I'm trying to think of specific examples which I can't think of yeah. <laughs> um, right now I'd I'd never be the first one to put my hand up to volunteer for something I I would always consider that there'll be somebody who can do whatever whatever it is um, better than me so almost by not being the one to volunteer for that I'm doing whatever the cause is uh, you know um, a service because you you can get somebody better if I don't volunteer somebody else will be able to do that right and there has been times I'm sure where that has also come into my calling with God where God might have said you know hey um, would you be willing to do this and I would say, well, I perhaps would be willing, but I think it would be better if you went with somebody else. Right. So you, okay. yep. you take a seat on the bench, mm. uh, just waiting for somebody else to do to do whatever that is. Yet God is the one who called me. Yeah. And I've, through lack of um, belief in, my, in myself, I'd have taken the seat on the bench, mm. you know, rather than jumped out in faith. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And I guess um, it really points to the reality that each person has a particular calling and God-given purpose. And some people might be called to be um, uh, missionaries. Some people might be called to be uh, preachers or pastors. Um, But whatever it is, I guess it's pointing to that truth that God's created each person with uniqueness and with special gifts and things to... Um, to offer the world and to better his kingdom. Yeah, look, I think you're right on there. I think on the whole, as a principle, God calls you from a place where he's already planted a passion and a desire in your heart. Oh, I like that. That's good. 
what you just said. So if you, if you have an interest in technology, in mm. podcasting, in, in radio, I, I'd probably say that, that, that God is leading you down that journey. If you mm. have an interest in, in music, you know, I think your calling will be somewhere in there if you're mm. a poet. If you just have a love for Indonesia and Nepal, China, and mm. that's all you think about and you find yourself praying and just, you know, whenever an article comes on the news, it's about China, it gets your attention. Mm. You know, and I think God places that calling, mm. that desire, that longing yeah. in your heart. And then we spend our lives working that out. Mm. You know, and I think sometimes there are people, um, I'm not one of them, where they can say a specific date, time, where they heard mm. the audible voice of God that right. you know, said, thou shalt go to Africa. And they've been in Africa for the last 20 years, 30 mm. years, and they've had the most amazing life. For most of us, that doesn't happen. Mm. You know, God does speak. But the way he speaks for most of us mm. isn't that audible voice. Mm. It's impressions from the Bible. It's you're, you're just before God. You're worshiping God. You're reading in the Bible. And you just have a growing sense mm. and excitement. And that growing sense and, and excitement can be over a long period of time. Mm. You know, it, it, it does take, we talked about perseverance before. Um, when we do look for our calling, there will be many doors that are closed and we just need to work out which ones are closed and we've got to mm. open them yeah. and, and, and keep going mm. in faith. But on the whole, you know, and I think there are you know, people that would even have a sense of fear that if they get too close to God, he might call them to Afghanistan or call them to the Middle East somewhere where <laughs> they would just not want to go. Um, yeah. for payback for you know whatever it is they've they've you know they think they've done or but God God rarely mm. works that way I'm sure there are situations where people had no sense mm. that God was leading him, them in that direction and they ended up doing that but mm. on the whole as a principle I think God places that desire in our heart mm. God's plans for me for for each of us is the most amazing journey we can ever take. He, you know, I, I've got two sons. My desires for them are enormous, yet they're not as big as God's desires for them mm. or for me. He wants to see us succeed. He wants to see us be productive in the sense that we're working towards a goal that he's placed in there. You know, work, and there's nothing wrong with work, Um not even going back to to Eden, you know there was there was tending the fields, there was um, work in the garden. So work is a design of God. Since the fall, we've had the toil of work. Um, there are many people who find themselves doing jobs hour after hour after hour that just brings home an income and uh, doesn't fulfil that passion. Yet God desires for our passions to to be realised. You know, passions obviously that are aligned to his, who he is and his calling. Um, there will be challenges, you know, finances are always a big thing. I'm part of several different organizations and finances are, are a constant. And you just have to keep on pushing through that, mm. um, those finances. God placed uh, the vision of the book on my heart. Mm. And it's actually been 
fulfilling, rewarding, but also hard work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet, I'm still pushing. Mm. I'm not pushing out of my own strength because uh, I don't have, you know, I don't have that personality that would just keep on pushing. But I feel the sense of God behind me, sort of pushing me forward mm. with this. I think it's just getting to that realization that God's God dreams for us. As any father does, he has mm. great dreams for us, and he wants to see his kids fully fulfilled. Mm. I like that, yeah. I like it how you're saying that uh, God has dreams for us, and he wants to um, see those dreams fulfilled. I think that's that's good. What would you say to someone, I guess, who might have a desire to to fulfill God's calling or might really want to discover what God's calling is on their lives, but they're just not too sure um, where could they start and how could they begin to discover what that calling or what that, um, yeah, what that mission from God might be? Mm. You know, there's, uh, there'd be a really simple answer to that and then there'd be a more in-depth answer to that. You know, obviously start in the place of prayer. You know, the challenge a lot of us have is that thought of coming to God in prayer, it, it can actually be quite hard. We, you know, Prayer is that two-way conversation. We can spend 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes sort of downloading all of our prayer requests, needs to God and then, then finish and get on to our next mm. thing. But it is a two-way, you know, prayer is relationship. We, we've, we've made it as a task or often we can make it as a task. Mm. Um, we can see it as sort of performance-driven, like, oh, gosh, I've got to pray for, for my day to go well today. And and we do pray for our day to go well today, mm. but it's not a formula. Yeah, yeah. It's not a um, performance or a production. Our day has – we have to pray for our day to go well. You know, prayer is relationship. Mm. It's discussing our lives with, with God. It's It's hearing God's – priorities in our life so you know the simple answer is 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 coming to prayer and finding that place where you can actually be silent before god and and hear from god yet it's also put us in in communities and families so getting input from people that you you know obviously you you trust who are invested in your life who you you know um have a relationship with god and just Mm -hmm. saying "Will, will you pray with me Often, you know, people do see giftings that we have before we see them. <laughs> um, you know, start with a piece of paper, write down what are my interests, what what am I good at, what do I dream about. Um, if I look at my vision, if I look at my desires for the next three months, five years, ten years, what's that involve? You know, if you're driven to... You know, you just want to do PhD, or if you want to study medicine, I'd probably say your calling might be linked in with that. If you just waiting for the day to finish school and not pick up a pen again, then maybe being a professor isn't isn't that natural one for you. Um, it doesn't mean it it won't happen, but um, yeah, I think again it comes to that that desire. So if you're in the place where you're open to God. You're open to take a risk with God. You you really want to get a sense of God's call on your life. I think it's it's discerning what's what's moving 
you know, I've, I've heard it said before that it's far easier to move a ship when the ship is moving than to try and move a ship when it's on anchor. Mm. That, that momentum, the sort of forward thrust of the turbines makes it easier to move. So I think we do need to be moving in whatever that, that looks like. Mm. We know we're called to community. You know, sometimes there, there's, there's a general call and there's a specific call. Generally, we're called to relationship, we're called to community, mm. we're called to worship, we're called to look out for the needs of others, mm. we're called to uh, look out for the widow, the orphan. We don't need a, another call to actually be a good person in that sense. Mm. We, we don't need a specific call to be a good husband or mm. father or wife or mother. Mm. We have that call already if somebody is in need and you're with them, you're called already, mm. help help that person. Mm. Yet we also have specific calls. So if you know that you're called to reach out to children or to work with children, you know, I have a general call for that, but that specific call for somebody might be for them to go to, to Asia or, or mm. Africa to fulfill that specific calling. So, yeah, again, I just think it comes to this Take it to God. Find a place where you can hear from God. Invite others that you trust and, and they can discern from God into that journey. Take wisdom from them and then start on that journey. One of the things mentioned on the website is, I guess, the confusion about the reality of life and God's love. And you've touched on a few things already about that. Um, from writing the book, what what are some of the things you learnt about how we can understand these two things and, I guess, um, hold them together in tension to understand the reality of God's love but also um, the reality of life? Mm. You know, the, our, our human condition, we were created, you know, going back to Adam and Eve, we were created in perfection. We, we were perfect. And obviously we know that the, the fall happened and over the last however many thousands of years, even the DNA in our body has degenerated. We, we now suffer from things like, like cancer, um, different ailments. We, um, we're living in, in bodies that, that are temporal, that do, do, do fade away. And um, you know, we, we are prone to sickness. We are prone to to heartbreak we are prone to the challenges of life in in a sense we were created again going back to eden in a place where these things weren't in a, in a sense we weren't designed to withhold sin or we weren't designed to be able to um, face the challenges of life and the challenges of sin by ourselves and since that exposure to sin since the the um since the fall, we've been exposed to sin without the internal ability to overcome sin. Mm. So we live in this very, very broken world mm. needing, needing a savior. Jesus came to the world. We, we know the story. He actually came as a volunteer. And one of the interesting things we read through the story of Jesus, it's almost as though he, he left his superhero outfit in heaven's locker and came to earth to fully experience everything a human 
experiences. He he was he came into this world needing needing parents. Um, they they fled. They they were actually refugees. They fled to Africa. Mm. When we look at his his life, he was betrayed by a person very close to him. Um, he had brothers and sisters. He um, he he had people reject him. He was born into um, a group of people that were occupied by an empire. And if you look at every look at the life of Jesus. And you can see that he gets us. He gets our our um, broken hearts. He gets when we feel rejected because he's been through that mm. himself. He mm. wasn't immune to the human condition. And because he suffered the human condition, mm. he fully gets us. Mm. He knows as well because he's actually lived inside the human frame. Mm. Obviously, he lived without sin. Um, going back to the first Adam before the fall, he he is like us, yet without sin, mm. like like the second Adam. Um, but he faced that that temptation mm. of sin on on the cross. He obviously um, took on our our broken self. So we know that in the future we're going to be taken up to heaven, and an eternity is going to be this most amazing place. Mm. Yet we're caught in this time frame of still living on on the broken world, knowing there is redemption. God's kingdom has come, yet God's kingdom isn't fully realized Mm. every place on earth. Indonesia, where people died yesterday. I think that, like I said before, that does break God's heart. Mm. And God's kingdom is, is here, yet it's still coming. And we're in that, we're in that space we're in that space where we're still, we're not immune to the challenges of life, yet God chose to take those challenges on himself. Mm. So we're, we're redeemed and we're still going through a process of, of redemption, if, if that makes sense. It does. It was a great answer, yeah. Can I ask you one more question? That's um, what could you say to anyone listening who might be in a season where they're they're wrestling with some of these uh, big questions of life and faith? What could you say, I guess, to uh, encourage or to to bring hope to that person? Don't don't overcomplicate things. Relationship, break it down to its simplest simplest level. God loves you. God loves me, and that is the basis of that relationship. Don't don't question that love. Don't challenge that love. Uh, find a place where you know where I can, where we can, in a sense, sit in peace, knowing knowing that that love. Um, God wants a very intimate relationship with us. Um, you know, coming away from this sense of you know seeing our seeing God through through our own personal challenges, hand our personal challenges over to God and just try and see him in that sense he is as a loving father. Um, now there are times, we, you know, get help. Um, we all need help at times. We need friends to pray with us. Um, we may need help in other areas. Don't be, be vulnerable. Uh, don't be shy from uh, getting help. Uh, be vulnerable. None of us can make it on our own. Mm. Um, we were never designed to make it on our own. Mm will never be complete until we've had that 
that fullness of relationship with God and and also with, with each other. And God works through relationships with with humans as well, and you know, find people that you can trust and um, share your life with them. Be vulnerable to God. Be vulnerable to each other mm. in a safe environment. Um, so that brings us to the end of our time today, but is there anything else you'd like to, to say before we finish, Nick? Um, just really thank you for for this opportunity. Um, you can check the book out. There's a website, nineveils.com. Um, yeah, and I uh, hope you've taken something away from this podcast, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, you're more than welcome, and on behalf of Testimonies of Truth, thanks heaps for joining us on the show. Um, I think that the book would be a really good encouragement and very valuable for people who, who read it. That brings us to an end of this episode. Uh, search and like Testimonies of Truth on Facebook or Twitter. And if you want to stay connected as well, you can email testimoniesoftruth.content at gmail.com. <laughs>